0: Welcome to the Whiskey Jazz and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the leadership strategist. Tonight's guest, former Coca-Cola senior executive, author, and owner of Satom Solutions, John Satom. Hey, what you drink? Mm, I, I love that, that all three represent a state of mind. And uh, I absolutely agree with everything that you said. Talk a little bit more about this, this state of mind that leadership provides, because very often people think of leadership as uh, it's a title. It's, it's a certain level within the organization. And there's some truth to that. But you're introducing this idea that it's it's a state of mind. You can have the title and not have the state of mind and and probably won't be as satisfied with the results. So share a little bit more about what you mean by that.
1: You know, and um we're just coming off the NFL playoffs and you know, football and the national championship game and Super Bowl is coming up. And when you look at some of the great quarterbacks right now, they stay in the pocket and wait for the play to develop. Mm. And they have all this coming at them and people are coming at them and, you know, trying to create more time and space. And when they do, they tend to find somebody that's open that wasn't open before and create an amazing play. And so one of my leadership thoughts for people is stay in the pocket and wait for the play to further develop. And another thought around that is people would come to me when they want a decision quickly or a point of view quickly. And I would say, do you want a fast, no, or a slower? Yes. Mm. And so it's just this mindset of slowing things down and considering more and bringing more voices into it and giving people more time to think through what their strategy might be or what their approach could be. Many times give you a better outcome. So sit in the pocket.
0: Wow. Man, that, that sounds like just great wisdom for life. Uh, it sounds like is that now you've just published a new book. Now, is that part of the part of the wisdom that someone would pick up if they were to go to Amazon, go to a website, you know, just pick up some more John Saddam isms?
1: There uh, there is my life lessons in leadership and coaching for light up your path to success. And um, it was a passion project I took in 2021. So there's a lot there. And really, the, the motivation was to put my stories in one place. Um, and so it was more of a personal journey. Uh, but they're there you know, for people to pick up. And it's really geared toward um, young professionals or new leaders would be the, the target. But I think anybody can pick something up from it. Um, but I just wanted to do it. And um, it was a real accomplishment to do something I never had done before with that. But some of those things are in there, yes.
0: Wow, I mean, so so it's really directed towards uh, younger, maybe even first-time leaders, trying to figure out what is this thing, right? And, you know, how do I transition from from being a killer, uh, you know, knocking down business results to uh, setting other people up for success? Uh, it's it's almost like you may have been writing to uh, that John Saddam that was responding to a posting for this, this opportunity with the Coca-Cola company, what kind of advice would you give to that, to that John Saddam now?
1: I think it's slow down. That would be a key theme for me um, throughout my career, whether it's business or personal. It's don't be in such a rush for whatever you think is you're working on or what's next. Really enjoy the journey and enjoy the experience and see what you're going to get out of that experience. So I, I think slowing down for me is a is a big thing that I continue to work on. So that'll be a lifelong evolution and journey for me. It's really being grateful for what you're getting to do, you know. And so gratitude is a, a big element of that as well for me. But I think the biggest thing I tell my 23-year-old self is slow down and relax and enjoy it more.
0: Wow. Enjoy enjoy the journey. It, you know, it's interesting because I'm thinking about one of the one of the last Projects that you and I worked on together, uh, and, you know, at the time I think you were managing, you know, the central third of the country, and and uh, I was coming in trying to help the organization think through uh, specific selling skills, negotiating skills, that kind of thing. One of the things that that uh, I think we connected on is how in professional negotiations, one of the tactics that the other side will use is they will try to speed everything up. They will try to create a sense of urgency to try to get you to make a decision that you ordinarily wouldn't make. However, you're saying no matter what the pressures are, <laughs> try to see if you can slow this thing down because you make better decisions.
1: I think that's a tactic and you have to um, evaluate and judge, is it real or not real? Because mm. you know, sometimes if you don't react to that, then you could lose potentially. But I think one of the biggest things is just asking why. Why is the time frame there? What is driving this, um, and try to explore that further. Slowing it down usually will create a better outcome, and it kind of depends a little bit where you're at in negotiation—if it's early on or further along—will matter as well. But not being rushed and pushed in anything generally creates a better outcome. Uh.
0: Fantastic. Now, now, look. Looking back, now, now both you and I, we're we're on the other side of, of this at times high pressure, heavy responsibility. You know, you're representing one of, if not still, the most recognized brand in the world. So there's a lot of responsibility that comes along with that. Uh, now, now we're both kind of on the other side. As you look back, what are a couple of things that you said? Wow, you know, had I to do that again. I might approach it with a little bit more awareness, you know, because I was right in the middle of it at the time. Are there a couple of things that you look back and you say, wow, that was a great experience. I wish I had, to your point, slowed down and and taken my time with.
1: I think one of the biggest things when you have a larger piece of business potentially is, do you really have to be there? Mm. What is your role really going to be? Ask yourself that and the team that is really, is it necessary? And sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't, but I would be more mindful of, there were probably more times I didn't have to be somewhere hmm. than I did. And I could have been doing other things that maybe had greater value or higher impact, just really um, trying to understand that more in, in whatever that is. I, I look back and I, you know, kind of was a badge of honor to be traveling and going to seeing clients or being places And I wish I had been slowing down more and saying, do I have to be there or should I be at one of my kids' events more Mm. or in their life more? And you never get that back. And so don't be, think you're so important in such a rush that you have to be everywhere and really understand if you're going, why?
0: Wow. I absolutely relate to that. Now that I'm on this side, right? When you're back on the other side, oh, I've gotta be there, right? I've got to be at this customer meeting. It's one of the biggest customers in my portfolio. It means we say all these things to, to make ourselves feel good about our presence, but I love the way you said, take a step back and say, do I really need to be here or is there something more important, such as being at my kid's soccer game or baseball game or attending my daughter's play or you know, things that you don't get back.
1: Absolutely. That's hindsight, but so it's not always easy when you're in the thick of it.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. So one of the things that I know, um, that we share is this love for the significance of mentors and just having people who will help you think through situations, maybe not tell you what to do, but just give you a perspective. Uh, talk a little bit about some of the mentors that you've had in your life that maybe you continue to think about. And I, I call them my invisible Board of directors. Some of the folks on my board of directors I, I've met, some of them I haven't met. Some of them, you know, I've only read about them, right? But I still try to anticipate. Now how might they approach this? who Who are some of the people that you would have on your invisible board of directors? That's
1: funny. It's a section of my book. So, my PBOD, I would say my grandfather, uh, my grandpa, Saddam, who's deceased. And I still think about him like, what would he do? And, you know, what advice would he give me? And, you know, someone I really think about and, and lean into, you know, that experience I had in my life. And then my high school basketball coach, Tom Hall, who's passed away. And one of my regrets is I didn't tell him what a great impact he had on my life after I left. And so one of the things I would say is, if somebody's had a great impact on your life and they're still alive, tell them. Or if they're not alive, tell their family. You know, there's so many ways to do it, but you know, just reaching out and saying, "Hey, I just want to appreciate how much I appreciate that experience I had with you, or here's what you taught me." Just don't let that go, because you just never know. And then, um, you know, my wife is, you know, huge part of it. We have our own consulting company now, Satum Solutions, and she's the chairwoman. And I joke, I go, that's really not changed in the 30 years we've been married. Um, I've always felt like, you know, you've kind of re- I've reported to you. So now it's just more official.
0: <laughs> now she's got the business card.
1: Yes. And she, she's the majority owner in our LLC. And then some other people I've had along my business life. Um, Dan Manning um, hired me back in 1988 and mm. um, gave me the opportunity at Coke and saw something in a 22-year-old kid that I, you know amazed at. And then he was my boss when I was in uh, Denver for 10 years and then a, a peer of mine for my last part of Coke, but just a huge impact and really looked up to him and went and sought out advice from him. But I've had so many and um, sometimes are formal and sometimes are informal. And I'm so passionate about mentoring. I started a mentoring group when I was uh, my last couple of years at Coke and started off small and I grew bigger. And um, it was just a wonderful way to give back. And help people navigate their careers and think about, you know, um, different opportunities and how to go about it. And one of the really cool things about that was we talked about, you know, in a career, every 36 months you might have a job. Then what are you doing developmentally in that 36 month window so you can have two experiences in that time and not just one? And so as you grow, if you can double up your experiences developmentally and with your core job, you're going to have so many more things available to you because of that uh, mindset of uh, taking more on and being open to that. So mentoring is a, is a big part of my life. It helped me tremendously. And one of the things my wife and I are doing right now is interviewing skills for younger people, uh, people new in careers or, or students. And we're helping them with college scholarships or um, career um, coaching for interviewing. And uh, that's been wonderful. And so we've done that. And had a woman that was uh, trying to get into PA school. She was 0 for 4 on the interview portion. And so we worked together on how to actually interview and how to approach it. And uh, she got out on the fifth try. To see her smile and see her, you know, get in. And now she's, you know, doing PA school. And um, just be able to give back in those ways has been really special.
0: Wow. So I mean, let, let's circle back because you—you uh, you just a lot of people don't understand that although this is a, a audio-only podcast, I actually get to see the people that I talk with, and to hear you talk about all the experiences that you had at Coca-Cola. Yeah, very, you know, you present very professional as you always have. But when you talked about that the the lady or the girl that you helped get into PA school, there was a different look on your face. And for me, it really does highlight how, to your point, you have to transition when you move out of being an individual contributor to this leadership space where you get excited by a lot of different things than, than what you would have when you were 22 or 23. Talk a little bit about what brings that smile to your face it almost looked like you just landed another major customer at Coca-Cola where you talked about helping this client win her interview on her fifth try.
1: You know, I just think it goes back to uh, my roots of playing basketball. And so I had people that coached me and helped me, you know, coaches or older players. And, you know, we'd scrimmage in the summer and you'd learn some new moves and, you know, you'd see what they would do and how much stronger, or faster they were. And they were trying to keep up and, you know, hold your own. And then you got to be a better player and you kind of dictated the flow in the game. And I really think there's an analogy to business with that. And, you know, you're struggling and you're trying to keep up and you're not quite there. You're not quite certain. And then you find your footing and you find your game and you find what you're good at. And then you want to help others, you know, that you see that where you were at. And learning their craft or learning their skill or, you know, seeing a passion come out. And so I really think I started at a very young age with that. And that's just kind of core to who I am. And, uh, you want to help others that like you were helped along the way yourself, whether it's, you know, basketball or school or later on, you know, when you have the opportunity professionally to do that. And now I still have that passion with my wife, you know, and helping different uh, people with their interview skills and in different parts of the business. So. It's it's also been a really cool transition to be in business with my wife and um, seeing where we have complementary skills and where she can excel. And she worked for Marriott, you know, for 11 years in sales and HR and then be able to put those to use again has been a real exciting element for it. And it's been a ton of fun, you know, being able to do that on the next phase uh, with her has been very exciting as well.
0: Wow. Now, hey, now there there's, now here's a story I remember uh, someone telling about you, and this I, I heard this story maybe I don't know 15 years ago, and I never really validated whether where, whether this was true or not. This is just something I heard that your dream job, if you weren't at the Coca-Cola company, you could pick your dream job that you would have loved to have been a stand-up comedian. Any truth to that?
1: Oh, absolutely. And I tried it, and I was so good at it that I stayed with Coke. i went on an open mic night to the funny bone with my friend ricky salerno and i got two minutes on a monday night up on stage the funny bone and bombed i was terrible (laughs) it was awful and i never got a chance to do it again on stage and i am you know in my mind funnier hanging out with my friends and buddies than I ever would be up on stage, but I tried it and failed, and it taught me a lesson about how hard it is, and then how much more respect I have for comedians and people that can really, you know, tell stories on stage like that.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, oh my gosh! So there's truth to the story that I heard. I didn't hear about. I didn't hear about the time on stage.
1: Oh, I was awful. Bomb. <laughs> <It> was bomb. <laughs>
0: Ah, so now, what are the things that you that what lessons would you say that you've learned from that experience that may translate back to business? Uh, you know, w- one of our one of our mutual acquaintances, uh, another longtime Coca Cola warrior, Miss Lisa Fay, has uh, actually part of the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing is is attributed back to Lisa Faye. So I hope she's hearing this because I get to tell her thank you. But she, you know, went from Coca-Cola being there a hundred years to uh, she's a professional speaker and an author, but she spent some time on the comedy stage. And, you know, she just talks about the life lessons, the business lessons that she's learned from her time uh, behind the mic, trying to build a joke, trying to make people laugh. Were there some lessons that you uh, learned from your time going after your dream as a comedian, as a comedian? that you think, wow, this, this might actually help me with this negotiation.
1: You know, I think it's so interesting how, you know, your network can have an impact on you throughout your life. And Lisa's amazing. And I admire what she's done, you know, when she was at Coke and now after Coke and how she's able to translate that. I think really what comedy taught me is to observe and observe what's happening, observe the room, see what's going on. And when used in a good way, comedy can diffuse a tight situation or difficult situation appropriately. Now, it can blow up on you, too. So, you know, it's not always the right way to go, but it can really create a connection or disarm or create a different feeling in the room. And I think you have to really observe and know when to do it and sometimes, more importantly, when not to. My favorite comedians are observational storytellers. And really, comedy is telling stories. I think in business, if you can tell a story, and it doesn't mean you go on and on, but if you can tell a story in a great way, that you can be very effective and sometimes more effective, um, depending on what the audience is.
0: Yeah. Oh my. Okay. Now you're reminding me of this conversation I had with Angie Flynn McIver. So if you're listening to this, you have to double back and check out my conversation with her because she wrote this book, Before You Say Anything, and she talks about the art of communicating. And she says that communication is really about creating emotion and that we should think about what is the emotion that we're wanting to create even before you say anything. And I I know a big part of what's made you successful Throughout your thirty two years is I never saw you as being someone who would go into a meeting just kind of winging it. you You always presented as being buttoned up, you know, having a, a good idea of where this needs to go, where it could go, but you had a plan. And so this idea of creating emotion and thinking about how you know what's the emotion that you want to create, how does that hit you?
1: I think it's a big idea and really interesting. I really also think about it as trying to understand who you're interacting with mm. and how they like to receive information. And that is so important as far as their wiring and, and how they want to um, see that or experience that. because if you don't do it in a way that they um, feel comfortable receiving it, then you just frustrate them. Mm. And so you have to be able to adapt and understand and decode quickly how they like to interact and how you need to adjust your style to that. And uh, I think that's, that's super important. The other thing you talk about, like having a plan um, in these meetings that you observe with me, one of the things I learned later on in my career was a really important question. Maybe 15 minutes before you end a meeting, ask what else, mm. what else? Because then you'll get things in these amazing nuggets of gold from somebody sitting back or somebody that didn't feel like they could speak up. And if you just pause and sit on that question and see what happens and what comes from it, pure gold.
0: So simple, so simple. And, and I think that it is the simple that differentiates the average from the amazing. And you know, I'm gonna share with you some advice that uh, I can't even remember where I picked this up but you know the advice was uh, you never wanna take over a business that's doing well. You, you never wanna take over a business that's already doing well, because if it continues to go well, well, it, it was going well before you got here, right? You didn't really add anything to it. And if something happens out of the blue and it doesn't go well anymore, then, well, Kalen, what happened? This thing was going well before you got here. Well, I had the privilege, the honor, <laughs> of taking over the market that you had here in St. Louis, Missouri. And I'll tell you, it was the toughest thing in the world because it was going well before you got here. So talk a little bit about legacy because you have left a a tremendous legacy wherever I have seen you go. And I can tell you firsthand that you left a tremendous legacy with customers here in the marketplace. Uh, you know, we've shared uh, relationships with some of the same uh, with some of the same people, both on the bottling side of the business. We, we talked about uh, you and I both having the opportunity to work with Greg Strauss, who was also uh, on Whiskey, Jazz and Leadership. How important is legacy with uh, the work that you have done and that you're doing now?
1: Well, I would say this. You took it in a better place and made it your own from when you had it. And so I credit you for being able to put it in a place I couldn't and take it a different approach. And um, I admire that. And I think, you know, you had these audacious goals, BHAGs, you know, that you talked to your team about. <clears throat> and it was about what's possible and what's out there. And that was different thinking that you, uh, you know, instilled in them. And so I think every different leader and different experience just makes it that much better. So um, for me, I think legacy is about the relationship with people. You know, and I, I really believe that. And, and it's people remember how you made them feel, nobody remembers a number. Nobody remembers what year you made plan or what happened there, but they remember how you made them feel. And uh, did you have their back and did you support them? Did they know you were there for them? And I think that's one of the things, whether it's a, you know, teammate or a cross-functional team member or a customer or an industry um, colleague, you know, whatever it might be, it's, it's how you made them feel and how you approach that. And if you're consistently doing it the right way, then you'll be successful. I really Mm -hmm.
0: believe that. Oh man, this has been fantastic. I have absolutely enjoyed reconnecting with you. And um, I I think it was at the release of your book, uh, just so excited to see you continuing to do incredibly well uh, that we just reached out and said, Hey, look, let's catch up and let's bring some of that wisdom to whiskey jazz and leadership and and i think it took you all of four minutes to reply with a resounding yes let's find a date let's make this happen and i i just really appreciate uh everything that you've done uh for the the company that we both uh worked for but all that you continue to do to invest in people that are coming behind us because at some point yeah, we're going to be memories, man. At best, we're going to be a memory. And this investment that you're making in other people, I think that's what's going to last. That's what's going to uh, stand the test of time and, and multiply. So I- any final thoughts you'd want to leave uh, you know, our listeners before we toast out?
1: You know, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity. I've had so much fun. I just looked up. I'm like, I can't believe, you know, we've you know, gone an hour because it felt like, you know, a split second. And I admire what you're doing, you know, and you've got this whole ecosystem and, you know, business model. And um, it's just really cool to see what people do, you know, and where their passions, you know, take them. And it's it's amazing what you've been able to accomplish and how you make an impact on people and businesses and leaders. And I just really want to say thanks for having me. And uh, it's really great to connect and see old friends and You know, spend time with people that you've worked with and respect. And so I I couldn't be more appreciative. What I would say is continue for everyone to continue to build authentic relationships and continue to cultivate your network in a really honest, transparent way. And uh, you never know where it's going to, you know, take you and be open. And I think just that openness and curiosity will carry you to great lengths and great success. So thanks for having me. And uh, it's been a real honor and uh, privilege to be here, Galen. Thank you.
0: All right, man. Well, hey, we'll raise your Jefferson's ocean. I will raise mine. And uh, man, again, I just really appreciate all that you're doing. Please continue to do amazing work. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers.